Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning and we thank you for um, your blessings. We uh, pray, Lord, that as we uh, um, start uh, this uh, day of worship, you may bless us with your presence, uh, give us of your Holy Spirit, and as we examine uh, uh, this uh, new uh, sin that we are going to consider this morning and the beatitude uh, that is the re remedy for it, that you may be with us uh, and uh, help us to understand it so we can, uh, we can come to you um, and receive of your mercy once more. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Uh, so we have this morning um, greed and the mercy giver. That's um, one, two, three, the fourth, seven deathly sin. And we have three more to go. So we are, we are going well. Anyhow, uh, before we go into the handout, though, I found this story in a book um, that I found. Yeah, that's a good example of greed. Let me just read it to you. Um, it starts with um, a, a, sent, a, a, a quote. It says, there is a sort of moth that lives only on tears. That's all they eat or drink. Now, here's the story. Uh, during the Montgomery bus boycott of 1955, Martin Luther King and the Montgomery Improvement Associ Association led thousands of local blacks through months of hardship in an attempt to break uh, bus segregation. Blacks rode the bicycles, trudged miles to and from work, and formed carpools that local police regularly harassed. Police would stop and interrogate drivers, make them demonstrate their wipers and lights, and then grind them up, uh, uh, excuse me, grind them up uh, for a tiny and often bogus violation. Drivers adapted. According to one historian, they crept along the road and gave exaggerated turn signals like novices in driving school. Under these difficult conditions, many black citizens of Montgomery supported the boycott single-mindedly and with a spirit of mutual help and accountability. Even those who had little to sacrifice nonetheless sacrificed what they had in order to bring down city walls of injustice. Remarkably, a number of blacks also figured out ways to defraud their own movement by submitting funny reimbursement claims they hustled the Montgomery Improvement Association for oceans of gasoline and truckloads of imaginary spare tires. The MIA, says Taylor Branch, was constantly trying to plug their holes in the reimbursement system. The hustlers were living on tears, just like the moth that we read uh, at the beginning. Uh, why I'm reading that story? Because uh, greed brothers and sisters, manifests itself everywhere. And if you don't have to be rich to be greedy. And there are many things that we are greedy about, not just money. And money, yes, is one of those uh, main things that we normally are greedy about. But sometimes we are greedy about attention, greedy about uh, who we are and to assert ourselves over other people. Um, uh, listen to this, another, to this other story about Winston Churchill. Um, Winston Churchill emerges as one of the two or three most significant men of his generation. 
Churchill apparently thought uh, apparently apparently thought so in the same way. His idea of a good dinner, he said, was to dine well and then to discuss a good topic with myself as the chief conversationalist. He admired his own speeches so much that he used to lie in bed listening to recordings of them. <laughs> Once he and his valet had a words. Afterward, Churchill rumbled, you were rude. His uh, manservant, forgetting his station, said, you were rude too. Churchill, went, uh, Churchill um, pouted. After a moment, he said, but I am a great man. So Churchill, greedy for attention, greedy for getting that, that idea that everyone has to be around me. Uh, there is that really good movie, um, recent movie. How is it called? The Darkest Hour. And uh, what's the name of the actor? Do you, do you guys remember? He's the guy that, make, uh, that made um, uh, in Batman with Christopher Nolan. Uh, of uh, Commissioner Gordon. I don't remember the names, the, the guy's name. But he's, he's doing uh, Churchill. And he's coming back uh, after World War II. And he's in power again. And everyone is dreading the presence of Churchill. And he's, ah, finally back in Baker Street. And he uh, sits down and is in his uh, bathtub and smoking a cigar and screaming orders to everyone. And there is this lady who is, who is crying. And he goes, go, go, cry. I don't care. You need a monster to defeat a monster. And, you know, yeah, that's kind of true. Anyhow, so uh, greed uh, is one of the deadly sins because it easily destroys everything and everyone around us. Um, so there is uh, three things that we are going to see this morning. Um, we need to try to find the definition to understand what greed is uh, better. Uh, then we will see how it impacts our lives and the lives of other people around us. And finally, we will find the solution to this sin in uh, being a mercy, a mercy giver. All right. So um, understanding greed, excuse me. The common notion about greed is perhaps to believe that only big companies suffer from it. Um, so when we, we confine greed to that little corner, then we can safely brush it off, right? Because we are middle class and there is nothing to be concerned about. We are not big companies. We have limited resources and we are safe for, from being greedy. Or at least that's what we tell ourselves while we store more things in our garage. <laughs> um, I don't know if maybe you were, uh, but... Uh, my generation, the millennial generation, grew up with uh, uh, programs like uh, um, Pimp My Ride in MTV and uh, Scruggs, and there's, there's another one. And they went through, to the houses of rich people, like the uh, stars in Hollywood, like, oh, let's see what, uh, what 50 cents has in his mansion. So you go through the mansion, and they have like this pool table, with um, big balls of pool, and inside there are diamonds this big, and the uh, uh, pool sticks are also marble, and you know, all those kind of things. And as they move away with the camera, 
They have walls, huge walls around them. And, uh, and um, they are planted with uh, palm trees. So no one can see what is inside, right? Greed is building a bubble. Building a bubble around yourself so no one else gets in. And all of us suffer from that. Don't we go into our bubbles, mechanical bubbles, uh, surrounded with uh, metal around us every single day of our lives? How much have you interacted with people around you? Will it be the same if America will be designed to be a country to walk, right? Our cities will be designed to walk. Where every, everywhere you go, everything will be a walking distance, like in France or in England or in any, any other country. But instead of that, we have designated spaces, right? So you cannot just open your door and go, oh, the grocery store is just two houses down. So you walk and then, oh, in, the, in between, ha, ah, the neighbor. You know, even to gossip, you cannot do that because <laughs> you are not finding that person. You need to go into your car, go to the uh, grocery store who is four or five miles away or less, uh, but miles away, you need a car. And then you don't have a person anymore in the uh, um, counter. You have machines. So you go with your plugs, right? Your earbuds. And then you go to the uh, um, check-in thing and you check yourself out. And you're gone. Did you talk to anyone? No. You're happy in your bubble and you go into your bubble again. And you, I don't want anyone else to mess in my bubble. Don't we spend hours as a nation in the screen checking Amazon so we can, so we can see what next can we buy? Um, the next lamp, the next TV. It's amazing to see how bigger uh, TV screens have, have gotten, isn't it? Like uh, the other day we went to Samsung, there was 85 inches screen. It's glorious. It's glorious, someone said. It burned my eyes. Wow, like, can we even... And, uh, and if, you, if you know about resolutions, right, and now we have 4K, 8K, and those guys sell it really well, don't they? Like 8K, you will see every single detail, right? No, because our eyes cannot see the difference between 124 or 4K or 8K. You cannot distinguish that. It's just good advertising. So you dump your TV and you get a new one because you need it, right? My in-laws, sometimes they surprise me. Uh, because they got a really good TV. It was working, and they got a new one. It's like, what is the difference between this one and that one? Oh, it's bigger. It's curved, like sc screen curved. Ah, all right. New TV. And then, but you bought another one. Yeah, we needed another one in that room. Okay. Uh, greed, right? Uh, we were, uh, when, when, um, when we were working in Ecuador, um, Quito is here, and if you go down to the valley, there is a city called Cumbaya. Cumbaya is like, um, it's like going to one of those very fancy neighborhoods in Denver or in Colorado Springs. Walled all over the place, cameras, uh, and, and Carolina was working for DirecTV. And uh, she got a call 
from that neighborhood. And I go, oh, we are going to get a really good contract. Because there, people have money. Lots of money. A house there is $5 million minimum. So, uh, so we went. And she goes, I don't think we are going to get a big contract. And I go, why? She says, because the person who was talking to me doesn't talk like a person who has money. You can tell by the way he pronounces words. And, uh, and I go, no, no, no. I'm sure it's a really good contract. And she goes, okay. So we stopped in the bus, went down, and uh, the community was a gated community, security guards. And we went in after we were searched and everything. We went in and every single house inside had their own walls and their own security guards with cameras and everything. And every house was at least three times my house or more. Okay. And I'm talking American houses. American houses are big. Uh, that was huge. And we were like, wow, this is amazing. And I'm thinking we are going to make really good money with this contract. Um, when suddenly a person comes running down and I go, the owner of the house sent his servant because he wants us to find the house. And, uh, and he says, follow me. So we follow him, right? And uh, I'm thinking, yeah, we are going to enter in one of these amazing houses and we will see what, how it is like and everything. And then we arrive to kind of like an, at the end part, there is houses around and in the middle, there is a gate, metal gate, black. And he goes, follow me. So he opens the gate and he crosses and we cross and suddenly there is a cliff like here and in between houses made of sticks and a road this big. And here there is a wall that goes all the way up. Those were the builders who built that community and who decided to build their houses in there. And as we were walking up, he goes, here's my house. I want the service here, $60 a month. That was the most basic one. And that made me see a reality that I have never seen before. Very greedy people next to very greedy people. But both of them, the difference between one and the other was that one had money and the, the other had not. Why do you want to spend $60 a month in TV when you don't have enough money to feed your family? Because I can, see? Because I want to watch the um, soccer uh, matches. Because that's what people with a status do, does. Even in my neighborhood, even when I don't have money to um, pay everything else. Greed. Um, however, uh, there is a grain of truth behind, behind what we said before. After all, it was Rockefeller who famously said that he will stop making money only when he gets one million more. Right? When is enough, Mr. Rockefeller? If you have read, you have read the story. One more. It's never enough. It's never enough. Right? Um, and, and America is really good selling us that brothers and sisters, and we'll leave here. But think, of, it's almost September. If you're a techie like, like I am, you know that September is the new Apple event, 
There is new Apple Watch, new iPhone, new computers, new iPads, and it's just slightly better than the year before. But you already will see people making a line, two hours or three hours of a line outside of the Apple store to get the new iPhone, whatever they call it, 15 or 16 or double X or whatever. Um, why? Because we wanted to, right? Uh, we want the new thing, the better thing. It doesn't have much difference. Yeah, but it's the newer, right? It's better. I can show it off. Everyone can see it's the new one for cameras or whatever the, it has, right? Um, um, or, or if you're a Samsung guy, that's, that was in July. And then October is techie October where everyone is comparing technology and telling you which one is better and so on. Um, do we really need that new TV? Do we really need that extra storage space? Do we really need a new trailer? Do we really need you know, a new car? See, but it has like these buttons and uh, it, it like changes colors. The new Lexus like has colors and when you go in, oh man, ambience and the sound system with both speakers, German speakers, <laughs> right? Um, we build bubbles. Um, the best and more tangible example of greed was given us a few years ago when the whole nation ran out of toilet paper. Yeah, it doesn't have to be impressive things. Uh, greed is hoarding. Uh, I don't know how toilet paper became something that people want to hoard. But the thought behind this is greedy. I need more because if we run out, I don't want to clean myself with leaves. <laughs> I don't know if that's even possible uh, to run out of toilet paper. Uh, and the projections were not that bad. Everything was going well with the toilet paper industry. I happen to know a guy who works for them. And I even asked him, like, how in the world? He goes, yeah, we didn't change the way we do toilet paper. Because we knew this will stop at some point. Yeah. When everyone thought, okay, where's our storage rooms are filled with toilet paper. We have toilet paper for years. Then it will slowly come back. And that's what has happened. Right? Uh, and he told me that even the bigger companies who were making industrial toilet paper, they bought machines to uh, build the small toilet paper so they can enter the game. Because there was money there. Everyone was buying toilet paper. Toilet paper was a thing in America. Toilet paper was not a thing in Ecuador. X was a thing in Ecuador. X. For a time, no one could find X. How X became so important, I don't know. But 12X suddenly passed from $2 to 20 And no one could find X. Eggs were like, they were, they, were, they were dealers of eggs. Like, do you want eggs? Have eggs. <laughs> Organic eggs. Um, greedy people, right? Like one of those black holes in the space, greed is an empty hole in our hearts 
that does not rest content with anything. There is always one more thing or people or money or anything that we need to get for ourselves. Um, and sometimes we can confuse greed and envy, can we not? Envy sees around ourselves and not being content with what we have, desires what other, other people has until no one has anything. That's envy. So in that sense, envy loves communism, does it not? Um, the best example right now, Venezuela, right? And several years ago when Chavez was alive, he goes, oh, Coca-Cola is making money. I'm going to take it for the government. There is even a video of the guy saying, take it for the government. And they, they did it. Coca-Cola cannot make money. We need to make it. It's for us, for the government. MB. Um, greed, on the other hand, focuses itself on one single thing and makes that thing the end in itself and cannot rest until it gets it, gets it and no one else gets it. Greed loves capitalism. Capitalism. Why? Because you are always pursuing it, right? You don't care what other people has unless you have one, one more or a better one. I don't know if you have seen, you have seen that image in, 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 on the internet, but there is this guy walking and, and, and he goes, ha, ah, I wish I had a bicycle like that guy. And the guy in the bicycle goes, ah, I wish I had a car like that guy. And the guy in the car goes, ah, I, I wish I had a helicopter like that guy over there. And the guy in the helicopter goes, ah, I wish I have an airplane like those really rich guys. No one is content and everyone is pursuing what they want until they can be satisfied, but they are never satisfied. Uh, Dante Alighieri in uh, Purgatorio, his second work, has the greedy in Purgatory uh, with his backs on heaven, uh, facing heaven, and his eyes, their eyes facing down to earth, because that's what greed does to us. It makes us focus on what we have here and now. Believing, making us think that as long as we grab more and more and more and more and more, uh, we are going to be happy. But guess what? There is always one more. And there is always one who has more than us, right? More blessings, um, or, or so we seem to think, more things, uh, uh, you know, uh, oh, yeah. Why do you think uh, the stars in Hollywood are always divorcing and remarrying and everything? There's always more beautiful people than us, right? Uh, at one point, um, Brad Pitt was the most beautiful man in America. And I don't remember who said that. Uh, and he married the most beautiful girl in America. Angelina Jolie. And they were like, oh, everyone, I remember, because we examined that case in sociology class at, at college. I remember, oh, they were like the perfect couple. They are going to have beautiful babies. The media was like, can you imagine the genetics of those babies? Like, she's beautiful, he's beautiful, beautiful babies. And then uh, we also examined what happened when he cheated on her, because he found a better girl. Younger, more beautiful, more attractive. Why is that? Because they are always pursuing what they can see. And if you do that, if you're greedy about that, there is always one more. There is always a better one. And Brad Pitt 
if, if I'm talking about Brad Pitt to younger generations, it will be like, that old guy, <laughs> right? Now there is a better one, a younger one. Um, Captain America, the actor. Everyone is like, oh, he's the perfect man. All right, well, he's gonna get old. And then another one. Greed never stops. It's always hungering for more, hungering for an another one. Uh, but th there is also um, the root of, of greed. Greed is born out of a sense of fear. Fear is what drives greed. In its most basic form, it rests in the idea that what God has promised me is not enough. And because I live in constant fear, I need to supply for myself what I think God will never give me. So we stack things, we build bigger and thicker walls, we consume more and more. Greed puts what, pers greed puts what it pursues in the place of God. Our attitude to our money is a spiritual, is a spiritual barometer, an idolatry meter. Um, think about this. Jesus says, do not be concerned about your daily life. Do you see the birds? God feeds them. Do you see the lilies? God dresses them. If he does that, how much more he will do that for you? Greed goes, that's not enough. What if God fails? What if I don't take care of myself? What if uh, tomorrow I, I'm, I'm run out of, you know, whatever. I need to have more because God is not enough. His promises are not enough. That's the problem with, with um, greed. When our lives turn around what we want and pursue it without rest, then we behave like Scrooge. Darkness is cheap and Scrooge liked it. Do you remember that image? Like the guy is like sitting down, eating his soup, and he lights one candle, just one, because he doesn't want to run away from money. And when his uh, fiance comes to him to talk to him, uh, he goes, why do you condemn hard work? I'm just an honest, hardworking man. And she goes, you have changed me for another idol, money. He goes, no, it's just hard work. No, it's not. And we all know it. And he goes, his life miserable, right? Eating by himself next to his fireplace with one charcoal <laughs> and with one candle. And then to, what's, his na what's the name of his helper? Uh, the one who works for him. Uh, Cratchit, yeah, thank you. He goes, Bob, get another bag of, of, um, of charcoal. And he has to ask him for the keys and he has it in a safe so no one takes it. He's squeezing every single penny. Uh, greed adores what is temporal and rejects what is eternal. It prefers wealth to the growth of the soul, uh, to the God who made us, and to peace among people. Uh, greed is what makes us, we need to be safe. We need to, we need to grow bigger. We cannot share anything with anyone because we may run, a, uh, run without more food. Greed is the, the thing that goes in your head when you go, I should invite them over for dinner tonight. Nah, but there is not enough food in my house. Yeah, forget about it. That's great. Because then you are thinking, I don't have enough. 
I might have luck tomorrow. I better save it for myself. Save it for myself. Um, that's small greed. Greed blinds us to the needs of those who are around us because all that we can think about is that, is that which we need right now. Greed avoids the common good. Why should I be concerned about clean water for my neighbor? Someone told me once, when I said that, someone told me, um, why should I care? Why should I care? I'm a Republican. Why should I care? And I said, because you're a Christian. And he says, well, the Bible doesn't command me that. And I said, yes, it does. Yes, it does. Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, I don't like that. Well, you are in problems. <laughs> right? Why should I be concerned about uh, responsible mining? Um, why should we examine those kind of things? Is it really true that we are destroying the soil of other people? Uh, I think I told you this. Uh, when I was uh, preaching in, in Nebraska, I was going with the elder to that church in Nebraska. And I saw these windmills, because they have tons of those. And I was like, oh, ignorance, right? Ignorance. Oh, that's really good. You guys are trying to think on other ways of providing energy. He goes, that's not good. And I go, why? He says, because uh, the windmill dries the soil around, drops oil, and then that soil becomes unusable. It's useless. We cannot farm. It cannot be used to feed anything. It gets destroyed. It's not good. And I was like, wow, I didn't know that. And I felt really ignorant at that moment. Um, um, so is it really better? Well, we should not be lazy, right? We should examine it, uh, measure benefits, cons, and then go for it or re re refrain from it. Uh, why should I be concerned about where this product came from? Right? It's cheap. Why should I be concerned about that? It says made in India. Yeah, but it's over there. I don't care about that. Um, it was made by children. Yeah, but not my children. Right? Greed. Greed does not like to extend mercy. Why forgive when I can capitalize on what you did to me? Greed knows no mercy. I can continue hoarding the fact that every single day you are messing up our relationship. And so I'm going to capitalize on that. When you come back, I'm going to tell you everything that you have done. See, now I have power over you. What happens if you forgive, though? Can you do that? Suddenly you can't because you already forgave and you promised that you will not remember that takes power, power away from you, and we don't like that. makes us vulnerable, right? But isn't that the, the way it's supposed to be in the gospel? Uh, uh, Les Miserables, the, the novel, Jan Baljan, right? He goes to the bishop. He's invited to, the, to dine with him, and he's out of jail, and... He goes and uh, has a very good dinner with the bishop. What does he do? He steals the, uh, the um, uh, no, help me out. 
Yeah, yeah. No, the forks and the silver plates, uh, the silver uh, utensils. Thank you. And then next day, police finds him and, and they go, you are back to it, are you not? And then the bishop shows up. Friend, you forgot my plates too. So you can sell them. So you can do uh, good stuff with them. And you know, the police is not, they don't, they are not getting it. They don't believe him. And yet the bishop decided to act in mercy. Is, does that change Jambal Jan? Not immediately, right? He goes and steals an apple, if I remember well, from a kid. But then he feels dirty because he was shown mercy. How, di how different will that be if we show mercy to each other, right? With our relationships. But no, greed is what drives our culture even today. Why forget? I need to assert myself. I'm not going to let myself be trampled. Well, look at Jesus. And we are followers of Jesus. Um, greed. We live in a very greedy kind of culture. With our backs to heaven, greed makes us focus on this earth because it makes us think that we can be happy here and now as long as we are filled with stuff. Surrounded with every single technological gadget, modern children have everything they don't need. That is why they are always wanting more. Um, we had, uh, we had uh, uh, in Florida, we had the opportunity to see our friend who was with us recently. And she came uh, with her sister and her daughter. And they went, they went to Orlando, to Universal. So we were close, right? So we are going to find each other and we uh, saw each other. And the girl goes, I want Chick-fil-A. And we all are hungry. So we're like, yeah, of course, let's go. And mom, yeah, yeah, sweetie, let's go. So we go to Chick-fil-A and, uh, and we are talking and everything. We receive our orders and I go, we don't eat until we pray. So we pray. And then she opens the, uh, a little packet of nuggets and she goes, these are cold. I don't want any anymore. Mom goes, I'm gonna get you more. And I go, no, <laughs> don't do that. Make, make her eat them. But she didn't. I didn't say that either. But she, uh, she, she went and get them new ones. Those weren't perfect either. So she didn't eat them. We went home. And all the time she was on, on her phone. We went to the, not home, to the hotel. Uh, we went to see our friend so we can go to our room and continue chatting. And the girl was uh, with her back in a, uh, with her back to mom in a corner with her iPad playing games. And mom goes, say goodbye to our friends, Maya. And she goes, nothing. And now after a year, they wonder why she doesn't want to talk to mom. Why is she behaving in the way she is behaving? I go, yeah, I wonder. <laughs> That's weird. Um, it's a very common phenomenon in, uh, in uh, immigrants uh, here in America. 
because they didn't have anything back home and they want to give their children everything here in America. And so, do you want a new iPad? Oh, of course. Do you want a new cell phone? Of course. Watch, perfect. What, do, what else do you need? Toys? Every single week. Um, wow. Like they don't need any of that stuff. They need you. But you are super busy working because you're greedy. You want more and more and more. Right? And I can not only say that because I've seen it and because I'm brown, which in this culture give me rights, I guess. Um, <laughs> but because it's true. Right? Um, we seem to think that the more we give to our children, the better. That is not the case. We are just feeding their greediness uh, more and more. Anyhow, uh, if you see your, do you have any questions? Sorry. Yeah, Martha. Just a comment. Um, the people that went through the Depression and World War II, you know, our parents, our grandparents, they just, in a lot of cases, lavished things on our generation. Yeah. And didn't restrain themselves. Yeah, which is. It's not good. Yeah, which is, yeah, yeah. Great. <laughs> yeah, kind of like accumulating everything. <laughs> Because we don't want to uh, leave any anything. I I I asked a friend, why why is your garage filled with the stuff? He says because I'm Dutch. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so don't you want to give them away? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not saying that is you. <laughs> yeah. Um, during during uh, 1942 up to 1998, uh, Ecuador was in war with Peru, our neighbor in the south, and uh, Ecuador was always poor, poorer than Peru. Peru had better army, better submarines, better uh, equipment. Do you know what the Ecuadorians had? Nothing. Like we had planes, but that was it. Um, and like five. Uh, but because of that, um, our soldiers were better fed because the government went, we don't have money, sent food to our soldiers. And you know what we did? We sent a lot, so much so that in the border, the soldiers of Peru are eating like dried food and some of them is rotten. And uh, our soldiers are like in front of them, like eating chicken and enjoying it like ah, chicken and eggs. Um, now that's no longer there. It disappeared. Yes, Debbie. Yes, Debbie. You know, you're talking about wanting to give your kids more than you do. Obviously, every parent wants to. They feel that they had better than their, uh, give to their children. Yep. I sent my kids to a private Catholic school, not because I wanted I wanted them to have that education, but one alley separated us from public to we can go to a different one, and the school that they were going to was very gang riddled. Yeah. So we chose to go this other direction and, and send them. So we didn't want them to go into the one that we were assigned to. Yep. Um, 
I don't feel like that I was greedy because, you know, I sent him to that area, but I did notice that I did regret how they were in a bubble, how they were in this nice Catholic, you don't cuss, you don't say, you're not this, you're polite, you go to the gym, you can lay your phones, nobody's gonna steal. When they got out in the real world, they were shocked. It wasn't all Christian and nice and, you know, people, you know, they went out to the public gyms and were like, taken in instantly. Yeah. So it's kind of a, to me, I, I wish I would have been able to have gotten the better of the two where I could have sent them to this other public school that wasn't gang-ridden so that they could get this, you know, that social, what the... But it really did take effect on them to learn how to get back into the world because they were so bubbleized. Yeah. May yeah, maybe. And that's why the, the... I don't think that will be agreed, by the way. Um, I think that will be you trying to protect your kids uh, from uh, dangerous situations, right? Um, but uh, that's why the purpose of Christian school and Christian education is not to bubbleize, if that's a word, uh, your kids. Uh, that's not the purpose of it. The purpose of it is so you can see everything from a Christian perspective and you engage with those things from a Christian perspective. Because, you know, we tried that before. Monasticism, it doesn't work. Um, it, it doesn't go anywhere. But uh, the task of the parents is to uh, be wise in how we expose them to certain things. I'm not saying go and send them to gangs like immediately, uh, but you know, as they grow up and as they become wiser and you teach them, then you can, you can expose them more and more to certain things uh, as you uh, prepare them for those kind of situations. So do you think that, and I see this point here because my kids, when, you know, when they had a chance to, to drive and get a car, they had this old, you know, S10 truck with some back, hard back so they couldn't put the people on, you know, and everybody else had like beamers and, you know, all of this other stuff. And can you see what possibly that that school, Bishop Lynch, made that image to where it's only the rich people who can, you know, go there and it's only about that status versus the reason I sent mine there? Uh, do, you think the, do you think society in, in, in that building promotes it? I don't know because I don't know the school. Um, I don't know. Sorry. I, I don't know the answer to the question. So generally speaking, Catholic schools have a reputation for being schools for rich people, wherever you are. Um, but I'm not sure if that's the case here in America. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so maybe. <laughs> um, all right. Um, is, does that solve your yeah, questions? I was just making a few. I'm like, wait a minute. I sent them there, but I didn't feel like I was doing it. No. Yeah. I don't think so either. There are there are uh, reasons and reasons why, right? If you are behind, like like my aunt, she's really wealthy, and she goes, I want to send my my son to the best school possible, the best school that money can pay. So he is not uh, rubbing shoulders with, you know, those kind of people, the ones that work for us. Okay, that's, that's greedy. Um, it's a different attitude. In Jesus' ministry, there are some examples of greed that are condemned by him, uh, by Jesus, that is. Luke 12, uh, 13 and following deals with the parable of the rich fool. His main problem is his blindness to see the needy around him. All that he thinks is, 
I will store all my grain and my goods. Remember that? I will say to my soul, soul, you have stored many goods. What shall I do? And then he goes, oh, brilliant idea. I'm going to build more storage units. Does that sound familiar? Like more storage units. Um, and, then, and then God says, fool, I'm going to take your life tonight. Right? He ignores the needy around him, especially in Israel. He had the uh, duty by the law to look around himself and see who is needy. I'm going to help him. Because that's what God's law required in the Old Testament. Uh, he rejects God's generosity and acts in greedy, in greedy ways. He lives in fear of what the future may bring. Well, that very same night, God takes his life away from him. Notice that also the problem is that he says, I have enough. I'm going to stop working. Uh, well, while the response should have been for him, I have enough. I'm going to share it and I'm going to continue working so I can continue showing generosity to those who are around me. Right. Um, uh, contrast follows in verse 22 and following where Jesus wants his disciples to rest in God for every single provision. God is generous and he will provide generously. Uh, the medicine to greed and fear is trust in Christ and generosity to one another, not only with money, but with everything, forgiveness included. Uh, forgiveness is reckless, says this guy, Simon Tugwell. It squanders itself upon rogues who have no intention of improving themselves. All it asks for is that it be received. The only unforgivable sin is the sin against, against forgiveness, the sin, in which directly, uh, the sin which directly and immediately refuses forgiveness. Think about Jesus talking with the Pharisees. Believe in me once. Believe in me twice. Believe in me thousands of times. And they go, no, no. No, no. And Jesus says, I can forgive you. And they're like, no, we are good. We can make it. We can, we can uh, walk our way toward heaven. Well, all right. You are not going up. You are going down. Uh, in that sense, if we are um, thinking about this, what is the solution then to greed? Uh, Jesus says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. So this beatitude is the remedy to greed. First of all, this beatitude assumes that we have discovered who God is and that we have received mercy from him. The demonstration of mercy reveals that one has already or that one already belongs to God. That is uh, from a book that is called uh, The Upside Down, Upside Down Kingdom. Um, and uh, basically what he's saying is, when we come to Jesus Christ, we have already received mercy and grace and have been forgiven. Uh, if we have been forgiven, then surprise, surprise, we can forgive and we can show mercy to other people. Now, uh, if you think about it, the work of the gospel in us entails that we have stopped looking at us, stopped hoarding the stuff that we fill our, li uh, our lives with. It shouldn't be feel, but uh, F-I-L-L. Uh, and we look at Christ for all of our needs instead. So uh, mercy in Jesus Christ moves you away from, I need the stuff, I need the stuff, I need the stuff, whatever that is, right? Uh, feel good or, or food or whatever. And then moves you into, I need Christ, I need Christ, I need Christ. And as Christ, Christ replenishes you and he fills you with his spirit, then you are able to give mercy to other people. That's, that's how, how it works. Without, without the Holy Spirit, 
we cannot give mercy. Without the Holy Spirit, it's easy to go, why should I? Doesn't make sense, does it? Without, without Jesus Christ, there is no way that you can see and think that person needs mercy as much as I do. And he has given it to me, so I'm going to extend it to that person. This mercy that we have received from God is bigger than greed. God is by nature a giver. He gives himself in creation. He gives himself on the cross. He gives himself in dwelling with us. He gives forgiveness. He gives mercy. And his mercy is what makes us uh, visible before him. Uh, think about uh, Zacchaeus. A uh, guy who everyone decided not to see. Because he's a tax collector. We hate him. And besides of all, like that's a very ironic thing to, to read in the Gospels. He's a small. So already no one wants to see him. And the guy is a small. Like that's very ironical. And then, uh, and then uh, everyone is like, we hate that guy. Because he comes, takes taxes from us, and he's living from us. He is a moth that is living out of our tears, right? Um, he's charging too much. But Jesus is coming into town. And Jesus is walking by. And Jesus could have ignored that guy. Every, Zacchaeus goes into the sycamore tree, and he's over there, and no one notices. Jesus goes, Zacchaeus. And I was like, hey, what? Yeah, you. Come down. I'm going to dine with you tonight. And everyone is scandalized. How dares Jesus go to that place? Doesn't he know that he's a sinner? He's a tax collector? Well, he notices. How dares Jesus to forgive us? Doesn't he know that we are sinners? That we have spoiled our lives with sin? Bigger sinners, smaller sinners? How dares Jesus look at us? That's the devil, by the way. That's the devil. Because Jesus is not like that. Jesus sees. Jesus notices us. And then he extends grace and mercy to us. In the same way, we are called to notice others. If greed loves to build bubbles and pursue those bubbles, which Ecclesiastes calls vanity. Oh, look at me that. I'm blowing bubbles and I'm going to build a house of bubbles. Oh, great. Go ahead and do it. I'll pay you $5 every single time that you trap a bubble with your hands and build a house. Okay. What happens with that little kid? Nothing. It's vanity. Doesn't make sense. Bubbles explode. Uh, mercy received in Jesus calls us to abandon those bubbles and to notice others. Mercy received moves us away from greed and makes us pour ourselves over other people. Um, think about um, your spouses. Think about your children. Think about your relationships. Think about all of those things. Your neighbors. Um, if you have received mercy, should you not extend mercy? That's why, in a sense, uh, the word reckless in the concept to your left is kind of a rhetorical device. I know reckless is imprudent and not thought of or anything. Yet, when you extend mercy, you don't do it because you are certain that that person is going to appreciate it. 
It's going to say, how nice of you. You have forgiven me. Thank you. I'm going to change my life forever. No, it's more like Jambal Jans in the book. He goes and does stupid things again. And it's just like us. God forgives us, and then we feel good about it, and then we go step out, and we're already sinning. And we go, ah. But God doesn't go, ah. He goes, here I am. Mercy for you. Forgiveness for you. Jesus for you. More and more and more and more for you. That's who God is. And I'm not saying tomorrow, change immediately. I'm saying think about it. Meditate upon it. Apply it. So when someone goes and does something stupid against you, you don't go, you did something stupid. I'm going to retain it. So later on I can take vengeance and you will see it. But instead you go, Lord, you know that I have failed you. Maybe more times and maybe more horrible than this person has failed me. And you have forgiven me. Help me to forgive this, this person too. And help me not to, not to think uh, what, what his reaction should be or if he's reciprocal enough. Just help me to extend your mercy just as you have extended uh, your mercy to me. Isn't that reckless? In a sense, it is. Because you are not calculating every single moment, every single movement, every single thing that can come back at you. Um, how many times during your life has Jesus woken you up every single day? Even when, we, when you were rejecting him. And God didn't go, well, you know, I guess this is the end. Lining immediately. No, he extends mercy and more mercy and more mercy and more mercy. Uh, what does the psalmist say? Oh, your mercies are new every single day, every single morning. And then another one that I remember in Spanish is your mercies are as high as the heavens. But that's the translation, obviously not the Spanish. Um, that's his mercies. Christian, we cannot do that. Yes, you can, because you are in Jesus Christ. Christian is difficult, I know. I know. But his mercy is more, and his love is more, and his spirit dwells in you, faith. Well, and just the repercussions of unforgiveness. You turn into a very bitter person. And if you just change the Yeah, 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 the repercussions of, yeah, no, the repercussions of not forgiving and not extending mercy are, uh, you become bitter. That's for the audio. Um, I loved, uh, um, what's, Donald Duck has this three little uh, nieces, nieces? Nephews. And they have Uncle Rich. How is it called? I don't remember. But... Is this Scrooge? Yeah, Uncle Scrooge. Um, every single night, he counts his, his golden coins. Yeah. So he's sure that he has what he had the day before. <laughs> or one more. 
Um, and when one is gone, he can tell. Um, and of course, in the cartoons, they make, it, make him nice and they swim in this golden swimming pool and everything. Uh, but usually those persons are really lonely. Uh, they, they expel everyone out, uh, around themselves because they are focused on pursuing what their, their greed wants to pursue. Yes, Debbie? No, he's not okay, but he is always extending mercy. I think he's always yeah. <laughs> He knows you were going to do it before he did it. I know. <laughs> no surprises. And, and, and I tell you, he has a sense of humor when John and I got married. I mean, we are complete opposite, but I love my initial D-A-H. Duh. <laughs> Duh. 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 Do you have any other questions, brothers, sisters, before we close in prayer? Yep. So, talking about greed, we have been talking about money, possessions, but also, can that also um, pertain to time? Yep. I haven't really seen it, but obviously. Uh, yep. With, with everything. As we talked about Winston Churchill, right? He's greedy for his reputation. Everyone has to see how big a man he is. Um, I, I don't think you were here when I read that. Were you? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> I'm talking about time now. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, it can be. I have to think how, though. Um, but I guess, I guess, oh, I, I know how. Um, so I, I was reading this book called um, anger and good, but and and he was telling the story about how when he was a young pastor, and after uh, talking to people and everything, he needed a time to to um, just discharge because he's introvert and he doesn't like people, but he has to be with people, and so he goes home and he goes, I'm gonna sit down, uh, drink wine, and just enjoy the afternoon. Here's the thing, he was married and wife was not getting enough time with him. So she comes and sits down next to him and he goes, ah, this is time for me, like for me to be alone. Doesn't she understand that I need my time to recover? Why is she bugging me, right? But she, on the other hand, she was like, I need you. You have not been here. You have time for everyone. You don't have time for me. And, uh, and uh, I guess that's kind of greed of, of time, right? You can just, me, my time, um, and things like that. Yep. And the more I can store for myself, the better. I'm going to build a big man cave next to my house, you know, with, with like beers and everything. So no one messes with me and close it around with electrical shocks and things like that. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, anyhow, uh, let's, let's pray.